If I were to ask you to define sustainable food, what would you tell me? Would you tell me it had to be organic? Because a lot of consumers in food labels talk about that. Would it have to be sourced properly, such as not overfished if it was seafood? What about how much the worker should be paid? Or how the soil is treated? Or how much water is used? Or how far it's shipped? Or all of the above? The truth is, there really is not a definition for it here in Canada. When you see the word sustainable on a food label, there isn't a standard in which the government regulates. It's up to those that put it on their label to be the judges of what it actually is. So when you do buy a product that's sustainable, what definition are you buying to? I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Food Bubble, where today's question to answer is, what does sustainable mean to those in the food industry? What does it mean to a farmer? What does it mean for a grocery store? And do environmental groups that aren't directly in the food business have any role to play? Trillium Mutual Insurance is your ag insurer of choice in Ontario. They're farm insurance professionals who specialize in and understand Ontario agriculture, providing insurance solutions that are the best in the industry. We all know that insurance can be complicated, but does it have to be? Their real Ontario farm insurance brokers make it simple for you, providing the coverage you deserve. To find a broker partner near you, please visit their website, trilliummutual.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium mutual. The first stop for our quest for answers when it comes to what sustainability actually means is in Alberta. My name is Mark Therrien and we are chicken and turkey farmers in Redwater, Alberta. So Mark, to start this off, as a farmer raising turkeys and chickens, how would you define sustainable? Sustainable to me, that's a very good question by the way, um, and a complicated one, but uh, sustainability for me is that I can produce uh, food for the consumer and with the ability to uh, continue to build and reinvest into my business to ensure that I potentially can pass it on to the next generation and that give my kids the opportunity to uh, live the lifestyle that we are lucky to, to do. So economics is a big part of that. Huge in today's world. Um, as much as we are family farmers, we run businesses and uh, the economics have to allow us to to produce food because if we don't have good economics or good profitability or um, if we can't make a living just a pure living at at farming uh, who's going to do it now let's be honest mark if i talk to most consumers and ask them they'd bring up the environment first does protecting the environment fit into your definition at all it does like one of the first things we did when we bought our turkey farm is that we in, uh, instituted an environmental farm plan on our business to ensure that we understand all the risks associated with our business in terms of uh, water drainage, uh, nutrient leachage into the water source, etc. So it is very forefront in our minds when we're ever doing anything to our farm that we uh, consider the environment and the impact we have on it. When you go to the other end of the food chain though, you find Ron. I'm Ron Welke, I'm the Associate Vice President of our food team at FCL in Saskatoon and, and we provide leadership and support for co-op food stores across Western Canada. He hears from customers about their concerns around sustainability. They don't have first-hand knowledge of what of what farm life is 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 all about, but they do want they they do have a quest for knowledge about where their food is coming from and they do know what they want to know where it's from and what ingredients are in it and um, they want to ensure there's it's packaged appropriately and in in an environmentally sustainable manner there's and 
Um, there's less packaging. There's uh, and what packaging there is, it's recyclable in nature. They're concerned about food waste. Um, so the consumers are generally, um, you know, interested and want to know about more about where their food comes from. And we're kind of in a, a unique uh, business model where we're both supporting farmers and, you know, selling to food to consumers that that we can share a little bit of our knowledge and, and tell the story uh, throughout the throughout the whole supply chain a little bit differently than some of our competitors. That unique business model is different from most. You can buy your bread at a co-op grocery store, while a farmer can buy wheat seed from a co-op crop supply store. Trish Myers is director of crop supplies for the same company for co-op and points to the entire company's vision statement. Building sustainable communities together sounds like a very simple statement, but when you unpack it, you know, each word on its own means something. Building is all about creating and looking into the future. Um, sustainable is in ensuring resilience and vitality so that we're here long into the future. Um, communities, that's the heart of the co-op. It's what we're all about. We're weaved into the fabric of Western Canada, and we love that fact. And then together, together is all about collaboration and working, playing, uh, in those in those communities where we where we reside so building sustainable communities together i think is a is a vision statement we can we can all get behind and i know each department and uh, and each team uh, looks at sustainability maybe tactically differently but but from a broad sense it's as ron said it's thinking about environmental health it's thinking about social responsibility and and, and social trust and and then of course the fiscal vitality so those three things, you know, really are where um, when they when those circles intersect, that's sustainability in my mind. That's a lot bigger than just one piece alone. So we go back to Ron. Ron, if you've got these three pillars, how do you balance them? Who balances those? Is it the consumer that says, this is what I think sustainable? Is it you that says, this is what we feel sustainable? Who points the way for you? I think it's, it's influenced on um, by, by both sides um, we, you know we, we need to deliver what the consumers are looking for and, and be consumer centric um, but we also want to do you know inherently what's right for for the environment or you know for our business or for our members interests and the community's interests so it to me it's it's uh, kind of a two-way street we, we see initiatives where we know we want to do the right thing because it's the you know the right thing to do whether it's sustainable seafood um or it's you know growing from you know buying local products um but our consumers are also a lot of them not everyone but a lot of them are also very interested in that and and um you know if if you're not doing the right thing whether it's us or other food retailers you sure do hear about it um from our consumers and uh they'll, they'll they're certainly concerned about making sure business businesses and particularly bigger businesses as they get bigger they're um have a higher degree of uh, standards that consumers set for them. That's the co-op view from two angles as well as the farm angle. But how does an environmental organization define sustainability? Seeing as Ducks Unlimited has an enormous footprint that they want to protect, trying to conserve wetlands and waterfowl habitat, it seems fitting to check in with a couple of their team members. Christine Tapley is a regional agrologist for the Prairie Region of Western Canada with Ducks Unlimited. Obviously, for her, environment is a big piece, 
but it's not the only one for her either. In our groups, making sure that people understand that sustainability is not just about the environment. I mean, we're coming from an ENGO, but um, in order to have a sustainable food source, you, one, have to make sure that the environment is being taken care of, but you also have to make sure that the people who are uh, making the food are making some money or they won't be able to continue um, protecting that environment. So um, the economics is a big part of sustainability as well. And then the third pillar, of course, is is um, the social side and making sure that um, how we produce our food um, and how we engage in that local community uh, is sustainable as well. And if we if we lose one of those uh, components, then it's then it's not going to be a sustainable product. Working with several of those big picture pieces is not an easy feat, but several years ago, McDonald's restaurants here in Canada pushed the beef industry to come up with a plan for producing sustainable beef. They made this video when they got started. For us, sustainable beef is really about using less resources and producing more. Whatever is sustainable today with 7 billion people is not going to be sustainable with 9 billion. Finding a way to meet the needs while not consuming all of the natural resources is going to be a common challenge. The first inaugural meeting of the Canadian Roundtable, the initial thoughts that went through my head were, you can't make me sit beside somebody from the World Wildlife Fund for two days. You could just kind of feel the tension. Multiple stakeholder initiatives are key to sustainability. Today, that Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is something Christine sits on. There are big discussions that happen around that table. Everything from looking at um, what areas of research there are gaps in, so um, defining, you know, we can't answer these questions because we just don't have that research. Um, those are important gaps that need to be filled, but of course that has to do with getting funding and researchers involved in those areas. There are things like um, opening new markets, which is a, you know, kind of a tedious process but still very important to maintain beef demand or increase demand in different areas of the world and so there are you know measurements that um, that we make sure we're tracking to see how we're, we're you know improving on beef demand things like waste um, making sure that we're using the very most of every carcass that is used in Canada so whether that's getting the right meat to the right consumer so that they um, are using and, and satisfied with what they're getting, so that there's less waste that way, or just making sure that every bit of that carcass can be used. And, and of course, that comes back to different um, environmental footprints. Of course, if you can get more out of your product, it has a, a, a smaller footprint. Now, Christine, I asked this same question to the folks at Co-op, so I'm going to ask you too. Who decides what should be sustainable? And I use the example of something like hormone use in beef production. Some say that it is not sustainable. Some say that it is very sustainable. How should it be decided? Well, part of that, I think, is, is having all of those groups at the table. People who are delivering a product directly to consumer and obviously have to have you know, their interests and, and ideas at heart, and then right down to having, you know, beef producers at the same, at the same table. 
I, so I, I think you're getting all of those ideas to, to one common conversation, but we really try and make sure that it is, you know, scientifically based and, and make sure that it's driven in those facts because like we said earlier, sustainability is a very complex conversation. And so it's very easy to pull out one aspect and say that something is not sustainable for this reason, but yet it has all of these other positive benefits. You know, like, and I use this example all the time that when, you know, um, if you're looking at hormones you mentioned, so in order to not give them hormones, now we have a whole bunch more resources that are required to put that animal through the system. So, of course, greenhouse gases, that's that's one thing, but what about uh, how much more water it would take to raise that animal or how much more feed resource or land footprint it would take to raise that animal? So I think as, just to make sure that you're trying to look at the the whole picture, right? Or, or if you look at methane specifically, putting all of our cows in a pen and feeding them straight grain diet would hugely decrease the methane that comes out of those animals. But by taking all of those animals off the prairie and, and then putting all of that you know, precious grassland that they're using um, at risk of being converted to something else, is it, is it a benefit to decrease our methane in that way? So I think it's just really important to, to make sure you're looking at the, the whole picture. And that's why these roundtables are so important because it's not just one group saying, we think this is important. We think methane is important. Well, we think biodiversity and grassland is important. You have to have everybody at the table so they make a sound decision on how to drive those decisions forward. It's pretty evident from Christine and many others that there is not a black and white solution to this. That give and take of an entire system makes it much more complicated than just sticking the word sustainable in green letters on the front of the package. That beef roundtable was one of the first to help bring together different interests to get some standards together. The grain industry is somewhat following their lead with a Canadian roundtable for sustainable crops. Another regional agrologist with Ducks Unlimited is Paul Thorogood. He's their representative at the table. One of the things that really drove beef to where they are today was was the engagement of McDonald's. So having a, a major um, purchaser of food at the table really helped um, define where the endpoint was. And the, the crops industry, we, we haven't had that type of uh, industry leader from the food side come along yet and, and really help define where the endpoint is. So the, the first major initiative that the Crops Roundtable took on was building a, a metrics platform, which really was a, a, an assessment using national and regional scale data and looking at different um, sustainability metrics, both you know, developed in, in Canada and also ones that are part of uh, international sustainability uh, certification processes. And then looking at that data that we could, could glean and also uh, there's been an effort to use um, legislation in Canada to help also answer some of those sustainability questions and, and really taking an assessment of, you know, how are we doing as an industry from a sustainability perspective? And we're, that, that platform is on the, 
on our website. So then, Paul, since you're earlier in this journey with the Crop Roundtable, what have you found as things that are going well and maybe things that need some work in Western Canada? The one that probably was not a surprise, but probably is a surprise to to many consumers, is how well um, we're doing from a a soil management perspective. Um, You know, especially in Prairie Canada, um, with with the the broad-scale adoption of, of reduced tillage, um, you know, we've seen, you know, increase in soil organic carbon and decrease in soil erosion risk and, and all that sort of thing, which when you think about the, the interest in, in climate change, um, that's a great news story to tell. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago in Prairie Canada that we had, you know, soil changing hands every time the wind blew. And today, thank, thanks to no-till, uh, the, that, that's largely not an issue anymore. So th- that was a real um, win. Um, and then probably I'd go to middle ground and say some of the stuff that is asked in international sustainability um, assessments, by and large, the, the steps are taken, and I'll, I'll use uh, integrated pest management. I'm not sure if that's a term that you're familiar with, but it, it's a, you know, a, a model for you know, determining how, how many pests you have um, and determining what their economic uh, impact could be, and then looking at um, what control measures are necessary, if they are necessary, and then what are the environmental consequences, et cetera, et cetera. Well, many of those steps are taken by every farmer in Western Canada or most farmers in Western Canada, but we don't use the the language of integrated pest management. So we scored fairly poorly. We We could score better if if we learn the language, which may be something that uh, the, we're contemplating at the Crops Roundtable, is do we undertake a bit of an extension effort to to help people understand the language that they need to use to to meet sustainability requirements in that area? And then probably the, some of the lower staves in the bucket were things around um, biodiversity and that sort of thing, which of course to, to DU is one of our, our, our most important uh, things. But that's an area that Probably, especially on the annual crop side, there hasn't been a lot of discussion around. Now, if we zoom out a little bit here and look at the big picture of, again, what the question here is, what is sustainability? Can you define it or do you have a definition for it, Paul? Often depends on which chair you sit in. A producer, if if times are a little bit financially tight, is going to elevate the importance of that economic pillar because as Christine said, if they're not economically viable, it's awfully tough to satisfy the other ones. I would bet that if you asked 10 people what their definition of sustainable agriculture was, you would probably get 11 answers. It's a bit of a commentary on on kind of how, how fragmented the discussion is kind of right now, uh, particularly in Canada where, where, you know, no one group has really stepped to the fore, whereas in the U.S. the field-to-market effort has really kind of captured many people's attention anyway. But on the crop side anyway, um, often we hear consumers say that their definition of sustainability is strongly linked to, to organic production. And from, from most farmers' perspective, that one's not an economically viable one. There are certainly economically viable organic producers out there, but, but many other producers don't view that as, as, as a viable operation. And depending on what lens you look at it through, that may or may not be the the most sustainable use of of different land and and I think that's a challenge that that discussion needs to move along because 
right now, I, I think many consumers are, are very confused um, when, when they go to the store and want to have something different. I think they often gravitate to something that's fairly visible like organic and maybe don't differentiate sustainably produced uh, conventional grains from organic grains and, and, and maybe understand the differences of those. And I think one example I use, I pulled a bunch of Stats Canada data for crop production. If we were to go to, to organic production only for, for uh, our grains, we would need to bring 40% more land into production for Canada to continue producing as much grain, just based on the yield reduction that, that you see in organic production versus um, modern you know, high yield agriculture. Well, from a, an environmental perspective, that would just be catastrophic because it would take a bunch of you know, high biodiversity, you know, um, native prairie and that sort of thing, and turn it into wheat and canola fields, which we know doesn't have as high a biological value. But it's a complicated discussion, and and um, it, it's hard for people to grasp that, whether it be through Twitter or through Facebook or or even you know consuming the the nor normal media that they consume. It, it's a difficult discussion, and often ends up being so polarized that, that that the facts don't find their way through. So I'm going to get you to tackle this final question, Christine, and that's when is the end point in all of this? When do you step back and say, you know what, we did a great job, team. We're officially sustainable. Let's move on to another issue. When is that? I don't think that there's any specific point where you can say, okay, we're sustainable. And that's the whole um, idea of this, of all we're doing here is that it should be a continuous improvement. And so... I think we were really excited about a lot of the different areas and um, how well we were already meeting those things. But of course, there's a lot of areas that, that we can continue to improve on. And so that's kind of how that um, national beef strategy came about. And um, there's going to be another one coming out here soon so we can show what we've done and where we still need uh, work to go. It's a big discussion and likely one that is not going to stop here for us at Food Bubble, but hopefully this is a good place to at least start from. Do you think sustainability means something different than what any of our guests talked about? Do you think the word's overused just to sell something? Either way, I'd love your feedback. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at the handle on all of them, Fresh Air Farmer. Who really cares about what you eat? You do and these 200-plus food experts. BestFoodFacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. With over 500 questions answered and new content weekly, it's a dependable source available across all social channels. Get the details you want from credible people who've dedicated their entire careers to the study of food. You care about what you eat, so take time to digest the facts. Visit BestFoodFacts.org today. Want to know more about where your food comes from in Canada? FarmFood360.ca gives you a 360-degree view of Canadian agriculture. There are dozens of videos featuring real Canadian farmers answering your questions about food, farming, and how it's all connected. You can even take virtual tours and see exactly what it's like to live and work on different Canadian farms. To learn more about Canadian agriculture, visit FarmFood360.ca. Next time on Food Bubble, we head to the kitchen to look in the fridge, then into the cupboard, then into the freezer, then back to the fridge. And we ask, why is it so hard to decide what's for dinner? 
Does having more choice today make it even harder? And if you want to save the 132 hours that the average person spends every year on trying to decide what to eat or where to eat, well, we've got a few tips from the pros. That's next week on Food Bubble. Food Bubble is produced by Jess Campbell and Jess Nicholson. We put it together here at Fresh Air Media. The fact that we're only a couple of weeks old now means we'd love your help. If you have a friend that you think would like this, we hope you'll share it with them. Or if you just want everyone to know about it, why not give us a rating? It's a big help in helping other people find it on their podcast platform. So a big thanks in advance for all that help, and we'll chat again next week.